Hey everyone, I'm Greg Potters and welcome to the albumreview.net podcast. A big thank you to all the loyal listeners out there. You guys have been giving me some great feedback and I really, really appreciate it. This is my passion project and I intend to provide you with more in-depth music reviews and interviews for as long as you'll keep having me. Today is episode two of a two-part album review of Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. And as in episode one, I am joined again by author and musician Kyle Hegarty. Kyle left the friendly confines of Massachusetts 15 years ago and now lives in Singapore, where he trained sales teams for large and small businesses. Kyle also wrote a book, which I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, and I'll get to that again later. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy part two, side R, the roses side of this review of Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. All right, should we move on to the uh, the roses or the, uh, the roses side? side? The this is the this is the soft. I'm going to change the mood lighting here because we're about to get very romantic. <laughs> so, all right, well now I'm very suspect <laughs> with my order here because when I went through my album, I could swear I got it right, but you're absolutely right; it does make more sense. So, I believe my Michelle is the is the next song. It's the first song on the second side. How dare you? <laughs> you are correct. Greta is wrong. Now you are correct. I, now I feel like I'm on a quiz show here. Oh God. Um, my Michelle, Anything Goes, those are both really strong tracks. I'm not going to name the other, the other three or four yet, but My Michelle is an outrageous tale of harsh reality. I did some digging into this song just because it starts off super mellow. Kyle, to your point, the romantic piece. When you listen to the lyrics though, there is that element of romance in it. But I read that, that <laughs> Axel originally wrote the song about Slash's childhood friend, a woman named Michelle Young. Um, and the original version he wrote kind of painted her life in a sweet, affectionate manner. Michelle heard it and hated it and said, this isn't true, Axel. You got to rewrite it. So he decided to rewrite it was brutally honest and really described Michelle's real life rather than fantasy. So like I said, it starts off with kind of a quiet, smooth guitar tempo, and then just hits you in the jaw with a punk rock riff that once again, has you wondering, is this the best song on the record? And that's what's so <laughs> confusing about this album. Um, the, um, the thing that I had read was that this was, uh, so Axel was heavily influenced by Elton John, which at the yes, early days true. shocked me. Um, but it me does too. make a lot of sense. And just in, in terms, especially where, where he went afterwards with some yeah. of his other ballads. Yeah. Uh, and, and the story that I had heard was that he wanted to almost make an inverse version of an Elton John romance song. Uh, and I, I was thinking about it. I, I think of this song, if, if there's an Elton John calm romantic song uh this is like the underworld uh of of, of like stranger things this is like the, the <laughs> underside of, of of it which i love and so yeah if if we're gonna if this is if this is the romantic angle that we're taking this gives you a hint as to how how they're going to handle romance and relationships in the second side of this album right <laughs> it's yeah not gonna, it's not going to go well <laughs> your your daddy works in in the adult industry, now that mommy's not around, <laughs> she used to love her heroin, but now she's underground. So I can literally remember my parents being like, 
what is this? <laughs> and I was like, you know, underground, like, whoa, under having no real understanding of what the heck they're talking about. So you stay out late at night and you do your dope for free, driving your friends crazy with your life's insanity. So just right there, I mean, that's a ballad and a half, but Axel really was like, all right, honey, you want me to write honestly what I think about you? Here's okay, here it is. <laughs> so, but I think, I think this is also arguably one of the strongest tracks. If, I mean, I just, I, I go back and forth um, with all of these. I think Brownstone still might be my favorite, but my Michelle also, I just, I, I think that the the hits, the ones that were on MTV and the radio all the time, as great as they are, I had a little bit more fun. I had fun reminiscing with those songs, but I had a yep. lot more fun going back and listening to Anything Goes and My Michelle yep. and really the second side. Yeah, I mean, the challenge with the the album is that the big songs were have been so overplayed. Totally. Um, and with Jungle and Paradise City and Where We're Going Next, you have to almost relearn them to appreciate to reappreciate them right which was kind of a fun thing I, I i my favorite song currently and for a long time has been paradise city but you've got to go deep to really kind of get past the um mtv overplaying of everything to go back to it if that makes any sense you definitely do but i'm glad to hear i i i, I'm, I appreciate the fact that my michelle is up on on that list of yours that's kind of cool all right, so I think I have it right now. So then think about you. <laughs> now I got is, you scared. Is the next one. Yeah, you correct. do. Yeah, that's totally. correct. I know. Here think I about am you. talking. So, so I, I also agree that Think About You is the um, worst song on this fantastic album. It's, this song is better than most great songs out there, but it's still, the, the to me, the song that doesn't really do much for me. And the book is about international business and how you need to get to know yourself before you can understand other people. And I have this chapter that's titled Think About You. And I went into a deep dive on behavioral profiling and I'm I'm writing it and I'm reading, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is like the most boring chapter in the book. I'm like, all right, it's got to be called Think About You because it's it's the it's it's like the worst chapter in the book or the most boring one, uh, awesome. which is which is funny. So it came back and people are like, actually, that's you know, it's really helpful. Uh, I've turned that into a program. So now almost almost on a weekly basis, there's our course that I have. It's called Think About You, and it's it's based on <laughs> this. <song. laughs> so this song turned into a very uh, very business specific for me uh, down the road, which is kind of funny. For those of you listening, again, you're going to have to pick up Kyle's book, The Accidental <laughs> Business Nomad, A Survival Guide for Working Across a Shrinking Planet. You can get that on Amazon. So while you guys are listening to this right now, take your phones, go to Amazon, type in The Accidental Business Nomad. Take your credit card. Take and, your and, credit I mean, card. <laughs> this, is, this is just a brutal sales pitch. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this. Though. Think about you. So I got this. I pulled this quote because Izzy, Izzy actually wrote this song, and this this will this might change how you think about the song. Okay. Here's his quote: "It's a quick song about drugs, sex, Hollywood, and money." And I tell you why you should think about that because there is a theory out there that the song is actually about heroin. How so? If you re-listen to the song, it's it's a love song. It's a very simple, you know. Um, 
you you know something changed in my heart this heart of mine and you, right. know, you found it you're my best friend i want to stick together till the very end uh, if you if you reread that uh, thinking about heroin rather uh, than uh, a girl it turns it it's a it's creepy to think about if that's if that was what he was doing when he wrote that i wouldn't put it past him i know they had a really hard time with drugs. And I can remember friends of mine in the late eighties, early nineties saying, Greg, you like them? They're a bunch of druggies. And I was like, no, 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 no. I read an article and hit Parader. They're not on drugs. No, no, it's, they don't do drugs. No, 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 no. And cause when, when Axel was on TV and he said, we kicked out Steven Adler, their drummer, Steven Adler for this album, because he couldn't leave his drugs. And I was like, oh, well, hey, you know, ultimatum, they got to kick him out. If he's going to do drugs, then forget it. So I bought all that crap, hook, line and sinker. And obviously, I think what changed me a lot was reading Slash's autobiography that I think I think he put out about 10 years ago, which was incredible. Yeah. The So, so Izzy wrote this one and uh, this got me down a path checking out the replacements that band. If you're familiar ah, with those guys, I am absolutely revisit them because if you want to hear what I think just is in Izzy's head and soul, uh, the replacements just it it actually sounds very much like the Juju Hounds, which he came out with as on his own afterwards. This is a solo album. I love that yeah, album. It's cool stuff. I love yeah, that. Album. I was really gonna good. I was gonna bring it up hanging out in my backyard uh, doing a uh, a fire pit with some neighbors. Uh, last fall and uh one of my neighbors had a, a <laughs> songs shuffling no pun intended and the song shuffle it all came came yeah. on from from that album and it totally brought me back uh, so yeah. another another side sell here guys for anybody who digs guns and roses or understands or knows anything about izzy stradlin his album izzy stradlin the juju hands i think that's just self-titled that it's a stones black crowsy kind of kind of yeah. kind of kind and, of vibe or maybe if the stones and the black crows had a baby it would be the replacement <laughs> no offense to think about you but i just i remember it was the song that i always sort of fast forwarded to get to yeah the gold of the yep. album at the time was my gold. <laughs> uh, not so much anymore. However, I think it is probably the most difficult song to play and probably one of the most beautiful guitar lines that has ever been written. So have you, um, have you heard the controversy about this song about um, the Australian crawl? Tell me. So this band called Australia Crawl created a song, I think in 81. Okay. And it's called, I believe it's called Unpublished Critics. You can delete this if you want, but I'm going to play a little okay. bit of this song. Tell me okay. what you hear. Okay. What are, you, what, are you, what, are you hearing, what are you hearing there? Let me turn that off. No comment. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, that's very, pretty. So, so what what do you know about this? Do, do you know, was there ever a court case? Because I remember Led Zeppelin, yeah. they were, they got kind of in, 
a little yeah, bit of stairway, trouble from right? stairway and yeah. but what i don't remember ever hearing about this kyle so um the original band it's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny song because i i just can't understand a word of what he's saying i mean right. he's australian uh but he's singing kind of uh, neutral you know i just can't understand it it's the it's really funny uh they were a small band and the quote that the band said is like yeah it sounds similar to us uh uh, they're much bigger and have more money. So like, we're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> they're, they're, very, they're like, yeah, we're, we're not going to win that case. Um, a wow. third party, this has turned into a thing in, in music, uh, tried to buy the rights to the song with the intent of suing Guns N' Roses. Wow. So I believe that's what happened with the um, Stairway to Heaven. That was a third party. So there's a, there's a business wow. of buying old songs with the sole purpose of suing other, other right, artists. Right. Um, this was this blew up in I think 2015 and nothing really came of it. But you Interesting. can hear you can hear. I mean that's so uh, so I mean my personal opinion is that was almost exactly the now now I will hold on to the fact that Slash wrote that beautiful intro. Yeah. I actually saw the video for Sweet Child of Mine before I saw Welcome to the Jungle. I don't know how that happened because I think Welcome Jungle came out yep. first, but yep. um, that was it for me. That was th th that when I think back to, was there a moment when I was like, okay, music is, this is the love of my life. It was, <laughs> it was that, it was that song and um, taken in by, by Axel. I, I was just it slashes guitar and, you know, there's Aaron Everly who was Axel's right. girlfriend at the time, who was apparently in the video. The song takes several turns going from sweet and melodic it, uh, to hard and then this punk later. Another, this is how they get you again. This is yep. the paradise city all over again, where yep. they've lured you in because every hard rock album of that era had to have, a ballad so they're like here's your ballad yeah this song changes <laughs> two-thirds yeah yeah uh two-thirds way uh through this song there's a new song uh as far as i'm concerned and it, there this is, is like, you're absolutely right yeah, you're absolutely right I, I mean and the whole where do we go now i mean i, yeah. I remember being like what where this is he's just gonna say this over and over and over again what just happened <laughs> and but it just it it picks up and it just becomes this like rock and roll song that has you pulling your hair out going like where did this where did this come from so if you ever saw the video you have vivid memories of watching the band go from kind of standing still during the verse and the chorus and then to cut that edge and thrash as the song gets heavier just absolutely thrash waving their heads slamming their heads just uh, it's funny. yeah, it's I actually don't remember the video, but I will tell you, I think that I think it's the second solo on that is one of the best uh, rock solos of all time. Yeah, I would agree. I would definitely. And that's agree. where it, and that's where it just takes the song to a different place. Yeah. And um, the story that I had read was that they actually didn't have lyrics for the second part of it. And so Axel's in the studio freaking out, just going, where do we like, where do we go with this? Like, Where are we where are we taking this? And and some of the, one of the producers just said, "You just got it. Just just sing that." And um, I think he just repeats it sixteen times. I don't think there's really any lyrics at the second the, the end. <laughs> no, he just says, "Where do we go?" <laughs> and then he just says it over and over again, but in like a different but, way. But in talking about in thinking about this song as like a a, a romantic 
song about a relationship it's just like oh man that that relationship is doomed yeah. uh he he got married to evan aaron everly and i think that marriage lasted four months <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah yeah he had like many rock stars he had a couple marriages that didn't go didn't go too well i i remember getting a call from my aunt who lives in new york telling me that her son had a uh, a birthday party and she said i thought of greg and my mom said, why? And she said, because Stephanie Seymour came to the door <laughs> to drop off her son. And I didn't realize that he was in my son's class. And <laughs> when my mom told me that story, I was like, is she still there? Can we go? <laughs> <laughs> no, Greg, it was just, uh, it was a one-time thing. Um, just a drop off. So, yeah. So that song, I mean, that, that was everywhere too. I mean, that was before Paradise City, if I remember correctly. But yes. that song was... That song was just everywhere. And even today, yep. my, my children know that song. I mean, it's still a staple. And, um, and I have to say, I, don't, I, I haven't listened to it that much. And I do sometimes, I don't cringe, but I, I, I'm not like, yes, when it comes on the radio. But I, I end up listening to it every time. You, because of that you guitar. roll your eyes, you go, oh, and then you listen to the entire thing and then I love the every time. second of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, truly a, truly a staple. And I think if you had to point to one song that really, yep. really made them, I've got to say, now I didn't look at the numbers for this, Kyle, but I got to think that that single sold more copies than any any of their others that they ever I would think so too. I don't know, but I would, I would, I'd take that bet. You're crazy is the next song that I actually don't have a lot of background on, but this was another song that had quite a bit of curse words in it. So I remember I had to keep the volume Mm. fairly low when I played it in my house. This album was just, it was risky business playing this. And, um, (laughs) you know, I blared things through my bedroom door, but this one I, I had to occasionally, um, I had to be careful. Now it was all over when I found that two live crew album that they put out in 1990. Forget about that. Uh, that one ended up getting taken away from me. Um, <laughs> but this one, in order to make sure that I didn't get my second copy taken away, I remember when you're crazy came on, I, I had to, I, I had to be careful. So funny. Kyle, what are your Look, thoughts it- about this song? So it's the fastest, it's the, it's the shortest song on the album. It was originally written to be the slow version that you hear on Lies. Yes. And yes. they decided to speed it up. Um, I'm hearing the Sex Pistols in this. I think it's a fantastic, fun, little, crazy, just little thing. It, it, it hits you so hard and it's just over before you realize what the hell just happened. Yeah. And I, I don't have much to say about it either, other than uh, one question. There's, there's no right or wrong answer here. Uh, which... <laughs> Which version do you prefer? That's a great question. I'm going to have to go with the second version. I'm going to have to go with the the, the version on Lies. Um, I was so blown away by the Lies album, which we should do another podcast about. You know, and I had never, until Lies came out, I had never heard of an EP. I didn't know the difference between what EP, LP, what, you know, yeah. uh, MPYP, for those of you who've ever seen Boogie Nights. Um, I've got to go with the second version. You're Crazy was a tune that, I enjoyed, but the, the following two were again, arguably two of my, two of my favorites. So I don't have a ton of information or background on your crazy with the exception yeah, of what I, you just mentioned. I, I think I prefer the slow version as well, which is controversial. Yeah. Uh, and how dare 
you. Yeah, and so Greta is. Uh, she disagrees with Greta. Me. Is very upset at us today. She's very opinionated. Especially me. Um, yes. The Greta Van Fleet. I mean, I don't know how she does those lead, lead sing songs with all of her uh, environmental work. Well, she takes time between her environmental work and yeah, so she she tries do, to convince Robert cuts. Plant to get back with Led Zeppelin. And she's she's been unsuccessful every single time. So she's got to get on that. I, I think we should make a deal. Greta, we'll clean up the environment. You get Robert Plant to reunite with Led Zeppelin and then Get we back. can talk. All right. <laughs> Cause we could just throw Jason Bonham in there and it's fine. I've seen there, him we're in there. Concert. We're back. Oh. Um, I, look, I, the, the, you're crazy. And maybe we'll save this for the lies discussion, but uh, one, I think it was Steven Adler described the beat. He said, he said the beat in the slow version is, is um, it's a sleazy beat. Yeah. And I love I like that, that description. I like I that. love that description. I just, I don't, I like, I don't know what it means, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, look, I think that, I think that you couldn't put the slow version of that song into this album in its state, because this album is meant to just oh, totally. hit you over I the agree. back of the head. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple of other songs from that era that they, that they took out as well. So November rain was, was considered, Huh. They got rid of that, thankfully, as well as Don't Cry. Hmm. Uh, and both of those were done at this time. Thankfully, they were both eliminated. But I, And I do think it's because of the vibe that they were looking for. And I think that they nailed it. This is, the, this is their, their ro- romantic yeah. side of You're, you're Crazy, yeah. which is yeah. three, three minutes long of just you know insanity. So I, I'm, it's an awesome song. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. Despite not being represented in any MTV videos, if I remember correctly, the next two tracks, Anything Goes and Rocket Queen, could be some of the most underrated hard rock songs. These two tracks, they might be a, a tad less radio friendly as they kind of seem to be like a bunch of songs written separately. And then, like I was saying earlier, kind of mashed together to make one song. But that's what I love about it. Some, sometimes this approach of mashing songs together can backfire but sometimes kyle it creates an audio journey that begins on one familiar path veering off only to bring the listener back at the end and that's what i love about it the album producer the guy that produced the album mike clink he was saying that in rocket queen the female let's call it voice during the middle section. I don't necessarily want to skip over anything goes, but the female voice during the middle section of Rocket Queen is actually a real recording of a woman, let's just say, sowing her wild oats. Um, Axel. And yes, yes. Although I think that story has been refuted a few times. But anyway, before we get to the album Closer, Anything Goes, Kyle, what are your thoughts about that song? Uh, so I did some deeper dive research on this. This was the first song that they that was really written uh, by the band or by pieces of the band. So this thing was done in 1981. This is when it was first conceived. Wow. Uh, it's and if you look at the lyrics, I'm not going to read them out loud because they uh, would not pass your your <laughs> strong HR policies here. Uh, but it's an immature. Have to keep song. it clean. Yeah, it like it's it looks and it reads like it was written by a bunch of goofy sixteen-year-olds having having a laugh uh, to a degree. Parts of it, um, which still makes it fine. But I mean, I, I think 
it is one of the underrated songs. I, if you look at the lists of people that put the album in order, they often put this as their least favorite song, which I think is insane. Oh, I, I, uh, yeah, I totally disagree with that. I think that's insane he, um, too. Slash pulls out a uh, talk box in this one. Yes, I believe. Yep. yep kind of, yep. kind of cool. The only time yep. you're going to hear that in the album. Um, although, interestingly enough, then in his live stuff, he actually does some extended solos over rocket queen which is kind of cool oh uh, yeah one one musician we really haven't given much time for would be steven adler uh and i think that the i i think if you just listen to this entire album just his drum track i think that would be a good album uh i, I think good he's point. got an incredible i think he's got an incredible voice and i know he gets made fun of and you know for getting kicked out for drugs but uh, he has a distinct sound that Matt Sorum, you know, Matt Sorum is technically more proficient, I think, as a drummer. I would agree. But this yeah. has this the attitude. I'd, I'd take yeah. Steven Adler over so would I. Sorum in any, any yeah. day. Do you ever, did you ever find out why when, when Guns N' Roses got back together in 2016, 2017, why they didn't bring Matt Sorum out on the road with them? No, you mean uh, Adler. No, Sorum. I know why they didn't bring Adler back, but I thought when they brought Sorum on the Use Your Illusion tour oh. and then they brought him through. So Axel obviously had the Guns N' Roses, the the quasi Guns N' Roses. That right. was, there was nobody else you know, in the band except for him, but he still called it Guns right. N' Roses. Right, I think right, one right. of the guitar players name was Buckethead. Yeah, right. Um, no offense to that guy. I, I, I hear he's an amazing guitar player, but I just, I remember reading a review and seeing, and guitar player Buckethead, and I thought... Now I feel like my parents looking back like this right. silly band Guns N' Roses. Um, no, I agree with you about Adler. I think Adler, his he was raw. And when I think of musicians that were raw, um, I'm not putting myself in any way, shape or form in the same category. But I just I, I've always thought of my musical ability as kind of raw. I've never really been, you know, taught. It's just right. all been right. kind of organic. Yep. You know, yep. my son. I, I, I is he's learned the saxophone and he's doing it all technically. My son can read music and he understands music theory now. And I'm like, yeah. you're already passing me. Adler yeah. was raw and you're yep. absolutely right. Sorum was more technical, but I would, I would pick Adler any day over Sorum. But I, I just, I'm wondering maybe for another podcast, I'm wondering <laughs> uh, we're going to have the guns and roses, like tree, the family tree of uh, the podcast that we just talk about why Matt Sorum wasn't asked back to guns and roses but yeah, that's an know. interesting find out. that's an interesting one yeah Here, here's a descriptor i read about um, adler as a non-drummer you know i just I, I like what i hear but i don't i don't have the depth of understanding but um someone described his drumming as and they meant this in no disrespect at all they said this guy is a disco dance drummer and i, I wrote that down just because it's kind of caught me off guard a bit but hmm. the, the word dance he's like he's he's got a dance groove that no other member of this band has and that's kind of an interesting hmm. add-on and i the only thing that i think of is the intro to rocket queen where i could listen to him and duff just kind of riff at that beginning yeah. tune i could listen to that all day yeah uh similar to the beginning of of um of of brownstone yeah. which is just sort of those are his two moments in the in the sun in some in some regards right i just i wanted to make sure we we gave a little bit of of airtime to mr adler yeah no absolutely good call out and you know it's funny as i've been 
listening to podcasts over the years and, and looking at sites online about music, there's a guy that comes to mind, Eddie Trunk, that um, used to do a show on VH1 Classic called That Metal Show. And Adler was on almost every week. And I found myself so many times sitting back watching these shows. I used to record them. They'd be on late, late, late Friday nights. And I'd wake up Saturday morning, eat my breakfast, make my coffee. And then I'd run into the living room and watch last night's episode of that metal show. And Adler was on so many times and he just seemed like such a nice guy just, you know, and I, and I felt so bad for him getting kicked out of the band and, um, I don't know. I wish they would. Yeah. I wish they would reunite. Do uh, I don't. I don't have much else else to say about anything. Goes. I. I. Um, I, I think that Rocket Queen is our one. So and I. Yeah. There are huge fans of this band who will say unequivocally, "This is the best song on the album." Like so, that. if I remember correctly, when they Kyle, I would I would say that that is worth a heavily worth a conversation. I, I believe when. I saw them in 2017. They closed this, the, the, the show out with that song. Wow. Um, and when you think about how much that song, more than any of the other ones, really morphs. You said it earlier, Paradise just kind of speeds up, but it's, it's the same chords. It's, I think it's just GCD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rocket Queen completely changes. Rocket Queen just yeah. completely takes yeah. a left turn and it becomes a a sweet melody. Yeah. It just uh, like, so it's, it's a pretty nasty, it's a nasty song. Right. Yeah, and of, yeah. we've talked about the recording story about the woman being recorded. So yeah. it's nasty. And then you're absolutely right. It takes this giant turn yeah. and it starts becoming sweet and soft. And the last line of, of the album is all I ever wanted was for, was you, for you to know, to know that, that I, I care. care. That's it. Boom. And, now, yeah. and I, 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 that's my Easter egg in the book. I don't know if you caught that. It's the last line in the book. I did. I absolutely I got, did. I got yep. a character named Axel to drop that one. So I, I got Axel to give his last word in there as well. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you think about how dirty, sleazy, and lurid this entire album is, all of a sudden that's how it ends. And it's like this yeah. weird moment where you go, wait a minute, wait, wait, like what? <laughs> oh, you know, all that stuff I said, I'm just kidding. I'm a nice guy. That was why I love this band so much because of all the, 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 the songs about drinking drugs, sex at the end, I felt like when that, you know, that tape shut off Yeah, that they were really singing about, you know, how they, they love someone or Axel was singing about yeah. how he, he loves someone. So I really connected with that for sure. They- there's a there's a technical term for this in the music world, um, and I came across this in a totally other place. And I might be actually not applying this correctly here. The term is Picardy. If you've heard this before, never Picardi. heard that. No, I've, I've Picard- heard of the I've heard of the rum Bacardi. Yeah, Bacardi. This is the Picardy third, and this is a rare technique where you have a song that's in a minor key, and at the very last second, it resolves in a major. Huh. And there are a couple of famous songs that do it. Um, The Beatles used it a couple of times. Probably the easiest one to think about would be A Day in the Life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, If you remember that kind of like weird outro where everything gets all stormy and it's just kind of this weird thing. But then there's the one chord on a grand piano that just fades out. 
Yeah, that's the entire that, song that's... is in minor except for that chord, which all of a sudden just goes like it, I, I think of it as like a to be continued kind of thing. It's like, wait a minute, totally. what, what? What have you just done? Now, I don't think that this song technically switches from minor to major. I think it's in minor the entire time. I think. Uh, but I think of the album as this exercise in a Picardi third, meaning like it's this kind of dark and you know, sleazy and kind of um, gross, violent album. And then at the very end, they just kind of pop in their little major chord and like, oh, the end. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> That's a great description. I never thought of it that way. And you're absolutely right. You know, your analogy of a day in the life, it really is kind of like a to be continued. It just, it gets all crazy. And then that piano, that boom. Yeah. And, and that's how they end the whole album, right? That's how they end the entire like album. Pepper. Yeah, that's not a that's not an end. That's a yeah. That's we'll a, be back. That's a call. Yeah. yeah, call to the next 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 phase. Yeah, and I just remember when this album was done, thinking to myself, when are they going to release more music? And then, of course, you know, they had lies and they had the illusions, and we'll we'll have to talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, we'll talk. I mean, so you know, this album because everything exploded. I think Geffen the the record company they yep. knew what they had they knew they had this explosive bomb and and there were quotes from some of the producers and the executives saying just put microphones on these guys all the time because they're going to be dead by the end of the year <laughs> yeah. so like like record whatever you can i mean they they slapped together uh lies like just they needed they wanted to do that before somebody died yeah, that's a great point. You know, you mentioned Geffen Records after the band changed the the cover, which we talked about earlier. Before that, actually, the album only sold 200,000 copies. Yeah. So Geffen actually, and I didn't know this, but Geffen was uh, the company, not just David Geffen, but the company was seriously second guessing their investment and their marketing. They were going to kill the whole thing, right? They yeah. were going to kill it. Yep. Uh, but in a stroke of luck in August of 87, a general manager who worked for Geffen Records, he had a inside at MTV and he convinced his, his buddy at MTV to convince the director to play Welcome to the Jungle once a night for three nights in a row. Just that, just give me that. And the video became the most requested video that week. It took off. And um, uh, became obviously one of the most requested videos at that time, catapulting the band to mainstream success. So it's funny it's that amazing. you mentioned Geffen. Yeah, well, it's amazing just those moments that change that change music history. This album is a game changer, but it wouldn't have had you know a couple of very very specific things not happened. It's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty crazy from a. Uh, record success standpoint, you alluded to a little bit of this before, Kyle, but in a, a year after a a Appetite came out, 1988, the album spent four consecutive weeks at number one and a total of 147 weeks on the Billboard Top 200. So a gigantic accomplishment seeing yeah. how no one gave it a chance in July of 87 when it was released. And you said it earlier, to date, the album has sold upwards of 28 to 30 million copies worldwide, putting it in the top 20 most sold albums of all time. So just to give you an idea, this was another fun project that I had when I did some of the research. I, I already knew a few of these already, but some of the company uh, that is around Appetite Destruction includes 
Michael Jackson's Thriller, Whitney Houston's Bodyguard soundtrack, Hotel California by the Eagles, <laughs> Shania Twain's Come On Over. I didn't realize that it was up uh, there. Wouldn't have guessed that. And um, and then you have Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which I believe still huh. holds the record for being on the top 200 for the longest amount of time, but not necessarily at number one for the longest right. amount of time. Right. So, so regardless of what genre of music you prefer, you have to give it to Guns N' Roses for they paved the way in the late 1980s and they changed popular rock music forever. And we were talking earlier about Nirvana and how they were responsible for the death of hair metal. Uh-uh. You got to look back at July 21st, 1987, when Appetite for Destruction was released. I think that just a final thoughts on my side. One of the things about this album is that it still holds up today. It's still as raw and angry. And one of the reasons I, I, I kind of was really thinking about this, which is that there's a timelessness to the lyrics, meaning they don't talk about specific places or things. There's two exceptions. They, they mentioned this woman's name, Michelle. It's the only human that's mentioned by name. Uh, but that that doesn't really distract too much. They talk about Night Train, but that's kind of in an abstract sense anyway. Right. There's right. never a mention. There's never a mention of like Hollywood Boulevard or they're not talking about you right. know, anything specific. It's It's almost as if they've created a world in their own minds. And it's kind of, it, we all can fill in the blanks how we want to, but the fact that they don't list specific things keeps you in their world rather than kind of, you know, I, I, I love the fact that yeah. it just, it has no connection to any specific place or point in time. You're not picturing the rainbow. You're not picturing the Roxy. You're not picturing the whiskey. Right. You know, a lot of bands, they sing about that Motley Crue. Sunset Strip. Girls, you know, girls, gonna... girls. It's like, yep. there's a hundred different strip clubs. Yep. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, when I think back to that era, again, I think uh, Motley Crue was, was up there as one of my favorite bands before the grunge era came in, but guns, you put guns today, pretend they're a new band and they, I think they they collect the same amount of fans um, yeah. as as they did back then. Now, the only difference yeah. might be is that radio and MTV really controlled what we all heard on the airwaves. So <laughs> I, don't think, um, yeah. I don't think they would have survived the Me Too movement. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely not for sure. Especially some of the things that Axel said on stage. So, uh, so, well, um, Kyle, thank you very much for joining me on this journey. And um, I have to say once again, one more time that although sports was my very first album that I ever purchased, this was the album that it, it changed me forever. And it really made me want to become a musician and really start to study songwriting and there was a little piece of wanting to be a rock star in there as well which i think for folks who knew me back then will smile if they're listening to this now because i um i i i did have a little bit of an axle thing going on as we got later in their career uh especially when i saw them in 92 open up for metallica you know i was sort of led in a little bit more on who axle really really was but i want to give the guy a break now because 
A lot of that's in the past. The band reunited. I have to say in 2017, when I saw them, they put on an incredible show and I went in hoping for the best and they far exceeded my expectations. And it was, it was almost as good, if not as good as that amazing show that I saw in December of 1991 at the Worcester Centrum. So my hat's off to them, but Kyle, thank you again for, for joining me on this adventure. And I don't think there's anybody else that I would have rather had to talk about this album because you and I pretty much grew up together. And this was one of the albums that was, you know, along with soundtrack, Sure and was. along with Black, I think, and maybe one of the 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 early Hagar albums or late uh, Roth albums, yeah. this was the soundtrack to our life for sure. Love it. So, Thank you. It was awesome. I, um, I'm I'm amazed that we did it in such a short amount of time. <laughs> we'll have to do we'll have to do another one <laughs> at some point soon. And um, so, thanks again for for joining. All right, that's going to do it for episode two of this two-part podcast album review of Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Thank you again to Kyle Hegarty for joining me on this adventure. And remember, folks, you can hear this and all of my other podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Player FM, Deezer, and Podomatic. You can also read written reviews of Appetite and many, many other albums by going to my website, albumreview.net. And new on albumreview.net, check out the bookstore where you can read reviews and purchase copies of biographies and autobiographies of some of your favorite musicians. These are stories that you have to read. Also right now, you can get a copy of Kyle Hegarty's book, The Accidental Business Nomad, A Survival Guide for Working Across a Shrinking Planet. Just go to the bookstore at albumreview.net. I read this book last summer uh, and while I was on the beach, and I continue to refer to it from time to time for insight and advice on working across different cultures in a business setting. As always, if you have an album that you'd like me to review, just email me at gpotters12 at gmail.com. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S, the number 12, at gmail.com. Well, I'm Greg Potters with albumreview.net. Thank you very much. Have a good day. down by the highway take a trip down by the highway take a trip down by the highway take a trip down by the highway take a trip